Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Well, Adia is joining us because this is a very important episode. Because, you know, let me just share why it's an important episode, okay? On today's episode, we're talking about sleep. We are talking about sleep deprivation, aren't we? Because don't you make me sleep deprived? Yes. Say yes. <laughs> she absolutely keeps me awake. <laughs> Rosie Davidson, also known as Just Chill Mama, is an infant sleep consultant and mom of three gorgeous kids. Rosie founded Just Chill Baby Sleep to transform the lives of families that simply are sleep deprived and need help. My God, do I need some help. She is passionate about helping those who are living through sleep deprivation and who want to make sleep a priority for their families. I almost just flubbed that line um, because I honestly find days that I'm super tired that I just can't even speak properly. So I am so all ears for all the information that Rosie is going to be giving us today as she's going to share more information about her online courses, her one-to-one, and a book coming out. Yes, yes, yes. <sighs> Let's welcome Rosie Davidson onto the Busy Mumsy podcast. Rosie Davidson, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I am thrilled to meet you. I am thrilled to welcome you. And, you know, you actually are the first sleep expert to come onto the Busy Mumsy podcast. Wow. I can't believe it. I'm very privileged. No, I'm I'm so stoked because I, I have like a million and one questions and I promise that they're just not going to be about me and my sleeping, but um, they're going, they, they will revolve around parenting and helpful tips and tricks for the busy mumsy listener and how to navigate. But I have to ask you as you are the go-to expert for this, right? Like the absolute expert. I firstly, Rosie, want to know and break the ice. How do you sleep? Oh my gosh. So one of the reasons I got into this industry is because I'm obsessed with my own sleep and I am somebody who is really affected by lack of sleep. So when my first daughter, I've got three children, wasn't sleeping very well, I sought um, some help myself and we improved her sleep and it changed everything. So for me, it's so important. And I really 
need quite a bit. I need like ideally over eight hours, more like nine. <laughs> really? Yeah. That, Otherwise, I feel that like dreams to me. Yeah. That is dreams. No, okay. So what is it that you do specifically for yourself to get the eight, nine hours of sleep? Okay. Okay. Well, I don't always do it because life sometimes gets in the way. And obviously having small children or anyone, you know, sometimes things happen and they might wake up, somebody might be unwell, there's lots of things. But prioritizing your rest and your sleep is really important. Um, And it's important for me. So I think having your own bedtime routine, having your own boundaries around your bedtime. So, you know, instead of watching Netflix saying, okay, at 10pm or 9.30pm, whenever it is, that is my cutoff. I go to bed, I have my bedtime rituals. So that might be, you know, cleansing my face, maybe using a magnesium cream, which I love, um, reading in bed, winding down, having that time and making sure, you know, having small children, they do get up early. It's just just what happens. They need to be up early for school anyway. So I know that I have that window. So trying to prioritize my sleep and getting into bed and not just watching Netflix show after Netflix show. You know what, Rosie? I guess you have not watched Love is Blind because if you had gone down that rabbit hole of Love is Blind, you would be awake of in all hours because both my husband and I are obsessed with this show and we can't wait for season four. And then we found out there's like the ultimatum show that they did. A sp- I mean, it's, it's bananas. So, okay, fine. I will put that in my back pocket and say that I will start snipping away at the evening time, Netflix, yeah. to, uh, to better set myself up for sleep. Yeah. So then, you know, okay, w- w- with all the, the fun aside of that, when do we start even thinking about sleep training for a, a, a child? Like, it, is there like a, a certain set time? Like, is it six months? Is it way earlier than that? Did I just miss something absolutely crazy because my child is going to be three very soon? <laughs> um okay so I always say you can start really gentle sleep shaping and sleep support from really early that's not any like formal sleep training crying techniques anything like that but having a really gentle predictable bedtime routine you can do from like early weeks um my youngest you know he was in a predictable routine I would say from six to eight weeks old but I didn't like leave him to cry or anything like that. It was just having a bit of a rhythm to our days, predicting when he was going to be tired, um, getting to know him and his personal sleep needs, because they are all a little bit different, um, and getting to know his tiredness signs and trying to settle him down to sleep before he got overtired. So it's like hitting that sweet spot for sleep when they're actually a little bit easier to settle. Practicing it, and when I say practicing, you know, lots of little babies it's really common that you try and put them down they start crying you panic and you you know you do something else that you don't want to do um but it's about supporting them practicing it if it doesn't go right it's fine just do whatever you need to do to get them to sleep sleep training has lots of different interpretations and that's where it's quite difficult because a lot of people will think sleep training means just locking the door shutting them in for 12 hours leaving them to cry that's not what I do I wouldn't advise that any age but there are um, techniques you can use if you choose to where you leave them for small periods of time and you return and comfort them and that I would say from six months if you want to try it you can but if you are going to do that 
you need to have done your homework first. So you That's need what I was to ask, I was like, how do you go about this? Because, and obviously I instantly think about the first, you know, six weeks of having a child and it's like bedlam, right? And, and you yeah. know this well. So it's like, do you need to be like so unbelievably prepped for this pre-baby um, being born? Or is this something that you can kind of swiftly navigate with baby in tow? I mean, first of all, you might never need to sleep train. Some children are born with a more relaxed temperament. So it's their personality and they just sleep. And you're really lucky and it's not a problem. So you don't need to always Please get... the opposite of my child. So, <laughs> so I, I, I honestly needed you. I needed yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So I think you can learn about sleep, learn about baby sleep cycles, learn about how you build a routine and different approaches to sleep. But as I touched on personality, some children suit different approaches better than others. Some might be quite relaxed temperament. And actually, you just do a couple of days where you give them a bit of space to settle and they're sorted. Others might actually not be suited to any kind of crying techniques and might need you there with them. Crying itself isn't an issue. It's just that you need to support them through that crying. Um, and that's, I think, the difference. It's okay for children to sometimes cry and and show us that they don't like what we're doing but it doesn't mean that we're necessarily doing anything wrong we just need to be there to say to them you know what it's okay I know you're tired but that's the other thing when I say do your homework we need to know that they are ready for bed because a lot of problems I think people have is trying to put them down before they're ready and of course they're going to cry and play up and we might have problems if if their routine isn't balanced in the day and what is that though? Like, okay, so you know that your child is not ready to go to sleep. So what would be like three things that you really kind of hone in on first for someone trying to like figure this out? Because is it just the, the lights need to be a different color? Is it, is it your cell phone being in the room present? Is it color? Like what, what could be like the first three things that you need to eliminate that eliminate stimulus? I mean, the first thing I do always look at sleep environments so where they're sleeping. So we want to do some little checks. So you're right. The light can really affect things. So we want a darkened room. It doesn't have to be pitch black, um, but it can be helpful because darkness helps us relax. It helps us switch off and also helps us develop our sleepy hormone melatonin. So it's important for darkness. Um, the blue light from devices can disturb that. So making sure that we're not having too much exposure before bed. That goes for any age. Um, if you want to have a night light or use a light, that's fine. But we want it to be a sleep friendly color. So amber, orange, pink or red, sleep friendly so they don't disturb us. So making sure um, that that's all sorted, making sure they're appropriately dressed. So we don't want them to be getting too hot or too cold. Um, I like to have a tech free room, really. So not have any tech. Obviously, most people will have a baby monitor and that's fine. Um, but just making sure it's conducive to sleep and that they're relaxed and focusing on them being relaxed in their sleep space can then make sleep come a bit easier. Um, so sleep environment, routine I've mentioned. So when I work with a family or if a family's using our resources, I will talk a lot about the balance of day and night sleep. If they're sleeping too much in the day, they're not going to sleep as well at night. It's just how it works. There's only so much someone can sleep in 24 hours. So like, then do you cut then? I mean, my daughter goes like in and out of having an afternoon nap now. So, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, 
I, I still wish that she was like solid on that nap because I used to nap with her. Um, so, but like with that said, it's like, do you cut, do you force yourself to cut them down on the nap so that it's better for the evening or like what, what, where do you find the balance on that? Well, it's really personal choice, but there does come a point where toddlers will need less, less sleep over 24 hours. So you've got a playoff. You can either gradually reduce the nap, and I do recommend doing it gradually because you don't want to just cut it out and they still need it. Um, you can gradually reduce the nap or push bedtime later. Um, so it depends how you feel about it, but you need something called sleep pressure to build in order for us to go to sleep at night. And as our children grow and develop, they need less sleep during the day in order to be tired at bedtime. So we do need to gradually work on it. It might be that you say, okay, for, I don't know, 7.30 p.m. bedtime, your little one can't nap after 2.30, just as an example, but they're all different. So, you know, and that might be your cutoff and you're like, right, okay, if she hasn't fallen asleep till 1.30, she can only have an hour and that's where we cut it off. Um, or you might say, that's not conducive for our lifestyle. So we will push bedtime to 8 p.m. or even 8.30, whatever works for you. But there does come a point where they will drop it. And like I said, just doing it gradually. It might be that you say, okay, 10 minutes less for the next two weeks, then another 10 minutes less and just see how you go. I have to ask also about the nap. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fixated on the nap situation for a second. Um, when my daughter does have a nap, and I'm like, yay, the wake up is awful. Like the wake up after this nap is like nails on a chalkboard times 5,000. I, I have to like have a sit down with her and like, you know, think about that adult bevy later on because my gosh, that scream is loud. Um, no, I'm, I, it's not that bad, but how do you manage then that, that craziness after nap time like are, are there tips and tricks for this because mama here hands are up microphone up i need some help well i just want to first of all reassure you that's really really common it has oh, a name <laughs> it's, it's called sleep, sleep inertia and it's that groggy feeling um and it's really normal that they're grumpy they might throw a tantrum they might start screaming all these things are normal so i would just say two things either distraction so this is when I don't normally advise you using the tv but this is when maybe their favorite tv show a snack um a book favorite toy something like that is helpful to use um or just being present with them in the moment just reassuring them saying mommy's here everything's okay um if they'll let you you can cuddle cuddle it out they might not let you sometimes they're thrashing around in which case just sit next to them and wait for them to calm down that's all we can do. Like I've said, a bit like the crying, if they're distressed and upset, we can't always stop it. And as parents, it's not always our job to stop our children being upset, but we can support them through it and make sure that they know that we're here. Yeah, I, I mean, I have just so many fond, frightening memories of that waking up of the post-snap. But I, I will have to say that all of the, the tips that you did just rec uh, recommend, I did them with apple juice in hand and a yeah. granola bar and some water and cuddles. I was there for all of it. So I'm going to give me some mom high fives on that, that I did do that right. Please. Yeah. 
the man upstairs. I have to go back and ask you as well, because I've actually had, um, when I've posted about my daughter in those awesome sleep sacks, I'll get other moms going, are we still supposed to have them in these things? And like, do I have to give it up? I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I am 42 years old. And if I could still wear a sleep sack like, like that, I would be rocking it out every night. Let me tell you, when do you feel it is best to say goodbye to them? Okay, so this is very personal and individual to the child. But generally, I keep them in them as long as they can fit into one, really. Um, they're really great if your child is still in their cot, because they'll stop them, hopefully, with most children, stop them climbing out because their legs can't get over right. to climb. Right. So they're quite good safety wise as well. Um, they're great because they don't kick them off. So like blankets and covers they can sometimes kick them off and then wake up cold. And little ones before the age of three really don't really grasp the concept of pulling up the blanket to keep you warm. So that way I think they can help maintain a comfortable temperature. So I do like them. I tend to keep little ones in their cot until they're climbing out or they're too big. So normally around the age of three, then you move them into a toddler bed or a single bed. And that's when I tend to introduce a pillow and a cover. Um, some people do introduce a cover and a pillow um, while they're still in their cot. No pillows before the age of one, by the way, just for sleep safety. But generally, you know, a sleep sack's great. They're comfortable. They're easy. They're great for sleep safety and great for maintaining a consistent temperature overnight. So as long as you want to, really, and as long as you can get them to fit into them, normally it's up to 36 months, the sizes. Yeah, the one that I have for Adia, that it is a lightweight one. Um, it's by Tommy Tippy. Yeah. And she she fits beautifully in it. She's not restricted, but she's also in a toddler bed now, like one of those really low rise type of beds. And it's just so stinking cute and adorable. My number one fear was, well, I don't want her walking into the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> Selfish mom here. But I just I, I kind of just want her to still feel cocooned and coddled within her bed. So we're going to carry on with it until basically her feet are poking out the bottom. That's basically what we're going to do. And that's all there is to it. Good. If it's working for you, it's working. So you don't need to change it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that is so true. Where did you find your, well, I do know number one, you've gotten enough sleep, your calmness to, <laughs> to just kind of go through this process for parents because you've got two children of your own. I mean, yeah, three, three your, children. Three, I'm so sorry. Three children three. of your own. So it's like you, you've got, you know, a situation going on in your house as it is. How do you firmly plant your feet and maintain calmness to help others navigate this? Do you know what? I do have quite a calm personality. Like I, I'm the person that my friends have always come to for advice over the years. I've been through it myself and I know that parents really just need a voice of reason, reassurance, a helping hand, just a clear plan of action mm. and someone who can say, do you know what? I, I don't want you to feel ashamed, embarrassed. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing. If it's working for you, that's great. But if there's things we can do to tweak things, change things, help you improve your situation, then let's do that in a calm way. And I know that's what parents really, really need. They want that calm reassuring voice that they're not getting anywhere else because modern life it's really difficult like a lot of us don't have the support systems a lot of people don't live 
close to their relatives. Um, some people don't have close friends who have babies and we just need that village around us and people you don't have so that so they come to me. Yeah, you just so do. I, I, I actually thought that I was going to be like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need, like, I got this. And then, you know, my husband leaves for the first trip after I had my child to Uganda and I was like, hold up, wait a minute. I need yeah. you. I need support. Like my, my mom being in another country, like I was in the UK, mom's in uh, Florida and America. And like, you know, right now this podcast recording, I am, you and I are in conversation. I'm in Uganda because I need support. Mm. I need support. I need that. My blanket, my, my little sleep sack, if you will, to navigate this. And also, wouldn't you say that our nerves, our anxiousness just kind of you know, it goes right on to the child, right? It, I mean, yeah. it's not, that's not always great to say, but it is true. And, you know, we do have to find that chill mama, right? We do, yeah. we need to find, we, we, even with your partner, your partner needs to find those chill moments so that it doesn't just bounce off of the child so that they can feel a bit more planted. Yeah, I always say to parents, you know, if your toddler's acting out or your baby's crying and you just feel like, ah, I don't know what to do. I need to shut. Just take a breath. Just take a second, pause for a second, take a breath, get yourself together. And then you can react in a calm way. And from a place of loving boundaries, because it's okay to hold your boundaries. It's your job to have those boundaries and let your child know that they're in a secure, loving place. And it makes them feel safe. Um, oh, if you're freaking so out. Important. I, I couldn't agree with you more. The breathing is so important. I mean, that takes you right back to the day you're discharged from the hospital. And the number one thing you're supposed to do in your recovery is learn how to breathe again. 360 full belly breath, that deep inhale, exhale, the, the lungs expand like an umbrella to find better comfort within your body, right? So like yeah. breathing to find that chill, that comfort, that groundness just basically should be everyone's kind of like little engine throughout the rest of Parentingville. Yeah, I mean, we're designed to respond to our babies quickly. You know, this is this mother nature. That's how we survive. But we can find ourselves in a state of high alert. So we can panic and we wake up. And we're like, oh, are they OK? Are they OK? And sometimes what will happen is they'll make a tiny noise and we're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. You know, we need to do something immediately. But having that pause, gathering yourself, sometimes that's enough. And a baby is just in um, a light stage of their sleep and they're just stirring and they're fine. Um, so just having that pause can really help in most situations, to be honest. And now that you have um, this growing empire for Just Chill Mama, and your brand is expanding, how do you continue to make it fresh, make it new? What is in the pipeline? How are you branding it out so that it just reaches more and more parents who are really trying to figure out how to, A, get a good night's sleep, but, you know, also the the A- Next to it is how can I get my child to sleep? Like what are, what are you working towards and building um, to kind of get it out there further for Just Chill Mama? I think the growth of my social media following has been really quite organic because 
word of mouth is huge and everyone shares a lot of my content, but my community inspire me to create new content. So every day I'm inspired by different questions I'm asked. So working with my community, I think it naturally does happen. Um, but I have my online courses and our one-to-one -one calls and we are expanding our offering. So we're doing some new stuff on toddler behavior. We've got new one-to-one -one potty training support. We're doing um, your second timers. I need, like, having a I, I need the, the, the potty training, by the way. Okay, well, yeah, we can sort you out. Um, <laughs> And I, I also have a book that um, is now available for pre-order that covers the first 12 months. Um, I really want parents to know that they don't have to deal with sleep deprivation long term. Um, parenting should be straightforward. We should be supported. It doesn't have to be complicated. But I want you to feel empowered and have information at your fingertips so that you can you know, have practical solutions day to day. Well, in regards to the book, I mean... Obviously, you've been inspired by your community to write it, but what will we find further from just like the the workbooks and whatnot that are there yeah. currently? Like, what what now are you going to expand further into greater detail within the book that launches in April? Yeah, so the book has some topics in it which I don't think anyone talks about, like relationships. Bring it, Rosie, bring it. <laughs> relationships and the effect of lack of sleep on your relationship with your partner and what happens when you have a baby sex life um, um i talk about <laughs> <laughs> sorry ricky i love you i love you we we have a great sex life but it, it's very go. different it's yeah. very different now yeah um going back to work People often don't talk about this. Um, I know in the US, obviously, most people go back to work fairly quickly. It varies depending where, you, where the listeners are based. But there's a lot that goes into it as a transformation as a parent. And you're trying to balance that with your, your new identity and your child and your career. It's really hard. Um, I also talk about special circumstances. So babies that have other challenges, like premature babies, babies who wear hip harnesses those with impacted hearing. Um, there's lots of things I talk about, um, but all the basics as well. So like I've spoken about earlier on, like sleep environment, routines, like how do you approach it? Um, what's right and wrong? I talk about the evidence. There's lots of talk around, across the internet about attachment, crying. I really delve into these topics to reassure and just help you find your own way, I think. Ah. Well, I will definitely be ordering the book Yay. for sure. And, and for the listeners, it is, uh, you will find all details for it in the show notes as well as heading to busymumsy.com and I will have everything for you there. Rosie, as a mama bear to three and putting your business, we're going to put it to the side for a second and I want yeah. you to just share what do you hold so close to your heart that has helped you to navigate to be the at its best busy mumsy because we know that at its best can still have the paint on the walls the the laundry not done and the dishes are piling up and all of those things and and perhaps your deadline at work you missed it sorry oops there is tomorrow what do you hold close to your heart that has helped you to stay grounded to stay fierce and confident within yourself i think what i was hold dear to me and to, I say this to everyone is you are doing your best and your best is good enough 
good mm. enough is best because perfect doesn't exist. No one is perfect. I might have all of the information, but I will never be perfect because there's just no such thing. And as far as your child is concerned, at the end of the day, you will always be the best parent for them. So good enough is enough would be my thing that I hold dear. I absolutely love that. And I also live with that as well. Very, very deep and etched within my heart. Rosie Davidson, thank you so much for all of your words of wisdom today and coming on to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.